Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Action Network Podcast Golf edition i'm jason sobel he's peter jennings we move this week to the travelers championship as always peter we'll get to last week but we want something actionable right off the top i'm going to tell you that i have an answer this week i'm just gonna throw it out there i've got an answer how about you i am on john rom again this week i I bought him coming back and hasn't had great finishes missed the cut and last week you know Everyone was kind of lighting up the course, and he started hot a couple times. Hit the ball, amazing off the tee like he always does. Was great on his approach and missed a ton of short putts. So I'm going to buy some regression in the putting department for John Rahm. I think this is a really important course to drive it long and straight, and uh, I'm buying John Rahm in every format. All right. We will get to all that in just a minute. I think the upper tier is very intriguing this week. I hated everybody last week, and I love everybody this week. But first, let's get back to – last week and reviewed just for a minute uh, Webb Simpson's victory. If you had asked me at the turn on Sunday afternoon who I liked, I would have said that, you know, that answer again, I would have given you an answer, Abraham answer, because his ball striking was just terrific. I thought he was going to almost make a few putts by accident down the stretch and, and take that thing for his first PGA Tour win. But instead we get Webb Simpson. It feels to me like more people were on Webb Simpson outright than I've seen been on an outright in golf in an awful long time. Yeah, absolutely. A ton of people were on Web. You saw it all over Twitter. And congrats to anyone who had Web outrights. Uh, a bunch of people at the Action Network were on Web. Uh, Pat Mayo was on Web. You know, the community was clearly high on Web. And I think uh, people wanted to buy low on Web Simpson uh, after a miscut. And I was shocked. I was pretty much all in on Web and DFS. owned in the $2,000 tournament on DraftKings. So uh, you're right. A lot of people just were on web and shows up and wins. Yeah. Uh, And so he moves, like I said, into uh, number five in the world. And he's a guy that we have to look at as part of that top tier now. I think for a long time, even when he's been playing really strong golf, we kind of go, well, there's Rory and JT and Kepka and Rom and, you know, then – you know, maybe throw DeChambeau in there, maybe throw Cantley in there, but Webb, eh, Webb's kind of that second tier. But uh, I just don't think you can put him in that second tier anymore based on the world ranking and based on how he's played. Now in his last 13 events, he's got two wins, four second place finishes, one third. That's more top threes than outside of the top three during those 13 events, which is obviously really, really strong. That's Rory Rom type of numbers that he's been putting up over the last year, year and a half. So I want to get to that top tier, uh, the Travelers Championship at TBC River Highlands this week. This week, I look at these guys and I go, man, I like JT. Yeah, great course for him. Rory at some point is just going to figure it out and win one of these by six. You're on Rom again, and, and I can't find fault with that. I mean, Rom at any given moment can turn it on, uh, start putting a little better, and put up some good scores. And then there's my guy who I'm picking outright to win this week, which is Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, the fact that he's finished third and eighth at a couple of courses, which really neutralize his strength, which is right now driving distance, let him go out there and unleash the Kraken, as he says, 
uh, by hitting that driver off the tee. It's not like TPC River Highlands is a huge ballpark, but bigger than Colonial and Harbortown. He's going to be able to bash a few around this golf course. And he's just really good for his, everything we could say about him, science and bulking up and slow play and whatever else. He's just really, really good at golf. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a really good chance. I mean, I, I've been, as you know, as high on Rory, and I think he's playing best golf, you know, outside of Tiger Woods from 2000 to 2010 that we've seen. Uh, you know, the event's going back since uh, the layoff. Not quite as elite, you know, two courses that don't suit him. Uh, and like you said, this is a good one for him. But, man, I think there's a pretty good chance that Bryson ends up being the number one ranked player in the world. I mean, the advantage that he has with that ball speed and swing speed that he's creating, and he's still just so straight and does a lot of things really, really well. And, I, I you know, like you said, the top tier is just so tricky. And now, now you have Webb in there. Brooks Kepka came alive, looks great again after mm-hmm. the knee surgery. So, you know, where does Brooks rank? Uh, when it's a major, he's been the best player. Dustin Johnson showed life. I know it's a track that he's played exceptionally well at. Uh, I'm bullish on Colin Morikawa for the long term. And after, you know, two weeks ago, he's he's right there on, like, that fringe top tier. JT, I mean, looked like he was going to make a birdie in every hole on Sunday. So it's amazing. Golf's in a great place. And we didn't even mention Patrick Cantlay, who you've been high on who's making his first appearance since the layoff, uh, who is right in that range where, you know, maybe it's the 1B, uh, you know, the 1B tier, I guess. So the top is just so enticing, and I'm so excited. I think it makes for a really great week in DFS, figuring out where you want to go. And, uh, yeah, from a betting perspective, you look at some of these numbers and you see long odds and really good players, and you think, oh, this is a great bet. But then you start looking at the field, and it's like, Okay, maybe maybe this is why the the odds are so long on some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, we're speaking right now on Monday night, and, um, you know, our opinions can change a little, and we can kind of form different opinions over the next 48 uh, hours or so before the first tee time. As of right now, I'm looking at at a card. I said, you know, I'm going to bet Bryson. Finau, I was on last week, and he really didn't play that badly, and I feel like if I jumped off Finau this week, I'd feel really badly if he – uh, got back on there. So I'll probably have a little fee now. Patrick Reed on a golf course where you can hit right to left all day. Uh, he's, uh, if you ask me, guys who draw the ball, and this is the same as Bubba Watson uh, fading the ball as a lefty and speaks to his success over the years at, at this golf tournament. But Patrick Reed uh, just ripping draws all day at TBC River Highlands. That That's going to work really well for him. So uh, those are probably three of the guys I'm betting. I'll have some Abraham answer. Uh, maybe some Joel Damon as we get into that sort of second tier, maybe a little Joaquin Neiman. Any of those guys jump out at you as guys that uh, are must plays for you this week? I mean, Abraham answer might be just super, super chalk, which I get. I mean, yes. the ball strike. I, I was going to say, D- DFS, is Abraham answer like 70% owned this week? I mean, he's going to – Bubba's might be chalk too. Um, at the top end, it's tough because you have so many compelling guys. But, yeah, I love answer. He looks like his stock shy. I mean, I know he can shape it both ways like most pros, but when push came to shove on a lot of those shots, he can kind of hit that baby draw, and I think that's going to set up pretty well here. Um, I mean, the ball striking was ridiculous. It wasn't just Sunday where he went 18 of 18 uh, in terms of greens hit. The, you know, leading up, he was five for the week. Yeah. yeah. It was just insane. It's just so insane how good that is. Um, and, oh, by the way, he was tied for first-round lead – at the Travelers Championship last year, shot, I believe, a 64 on Sunday, finished in a share of eighth place. So it's not like he's going to a place that 
doesn't suit his game. He's coming off a heater and going to another place where he's had a heater. Uh, you know, that's, my that's the intersection. That's the intersection of, uh, of recent form and course history that we love to see, isn't it? Yeah, Travelers was great last year. Uh, actually, on answer last year before he was a big name, which was uh, fantastic. So totally agree with that. Love Neiman. I mean, where's Berger ranked in terms of the tier that he's in? I mean, Berger actually, just yeah, under he, par he, every he was, round. He with yeah, he withdrew today. So oh, he withdrew today. Uh, I actually, missed yes. That. So he he is out of the tournament. But um, another oh, wow. great. I mean, he he almost. We we all remember Spieth holding out that bunker shot back in seventeen. We tend to forget that Daniel Berger then had a long birdie putt and missed it by like two inches. Uh, Daniel Berger has been really good for a really long time, and uh, he's only getting better. So not this week, but hold on to those Daniel Berger tickets for down the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I miss that. Um, and man, hopefully his wrist is doing all right. I know he was talking about it, but man, playing some exceptional golf. And yeah, one guy who I'd say is maybe in the not bottom tier, but the mid to low tier would be Corey Connors, who played exceptional golf last week uh i've been on him you know since we've, we've come back and his ball striking is absolutely elite just really struggles with that putter so we'll see uh I, i'm still pretty bullish i think the ball striking is much more indicative of future performance but uh the putter has been a problem i mean last year he led in proximity to the hole and you know he had some good finishes but the putter has been a consistent bugaboo before we get to our very special guest who uh, I didn't tease at the beginning of the show, but Nathan Grube, tournament director from the Travelers Championship, who's tremendous and can't wait to speak with him. Let, let's get to that lower tier. And uh, there are a few guys that I kind of like on here. I, I will tell you, Peter, last Friday, I was speaking with a buddy of mine who's a, a professional golfer and uh, happens to be buddies with Dylan Fratelli. And he told me, watch out for Dylan next week. He loves River Highlands. And I said, all right, I'm filing that away. No one's going to be on Dylan Fratelli. Why would anyone take him? He played there the first time last year. He missed the cut. No one's going to take Dylan Fratelli. And then he goes out and shoots 62 on Sunday. And now everybody's going to be on Dylan Fratelli. But uh, I still like that. Bo Hostler has told me uh, I was filling in for Colt Nost on Gravy and the Sleaze on Sirius XM PGA Tour about a month ago. And Sleaze and I had Bo Hostler on. He said, if you can pick me for one event, make it the travelers. He finished in a share of second place two years ago. So Bo Hostler and then friends of the pod. We got a lot of friends of the pod in, in the mix this week, Brendan Steele, Keegan Bradley, Jamie Lovemark. I kind of like all three of those guys this week. Any of those names uh, jump out at you and any other names that are maybe a little bit lower and more off the radar to most people out there. Yeah, the three names you just mentioned are friends of the pod, but they're they're really, really good friends with you. So I feel like if you miss <laughs> any of those guys winning any week, that's big trouble for you. So there, you got, there's, you certain gotta, weeks, there's certain weeks when Steely especially will text me and say, like, you're on me, right? Just to kind of make sure that, you know, I'm, I, I go, yeah, I know, I know. Nine starts there, seven top 25s. I, I looked at the stats. I remember. I, I will tell you, by the way, this is a, a quick little story. Um, from 2014 Steely and I had concert tickets that night and so he had a 7 a.m tea time and I said you know I I'll try to get done early and finally like as he's going out to play and I'm watching him I said by the way do something special and then I can write about you and then I can be done early and we can go grab dinner before the concert he's like all right cool well he goes out this is right after the anchoring ban had gone into effect and he had been anchoring for a while and he goes out with a standard length putter and shoots 62 took the first round lead i wrote about him i was done by 1 p.m got out early went to dinner went to a concert 
and I, I thanked him for, uh, for putting up a good score for me. So thinking of that again, I, I like him as a first-round leader. He gets off to some hot starts there, and I like him overall for four rounds. Yeah, I wish uh, when my friends asked me, hey, can you just go play good golf for me? I could go out and shoot an 82, <laughs> not alone a 62. That's, that's badass. And, yeah, about those three guys, you put all three of them in a the lineup, uh, you can make some, some pretty strong. It leaves you with uh, 9,900 essentially for the last three spots. So you can make some stars and scrubs lineups, which I think makes a lot of sense this week. Uh, and the lower tier, you know, I, I think there's merit to, to all the guys you mentioned. Love Mark, I'm really intrigued by just with his talent. That's certainly a riskier pick, but I, I definitely uh, want to see him play well. Bryce Garnett played well last week. I was uh, mm-hmm. invested in him, played him in some DFS. I think he's another interesting one. Cameron Champ is really cheap in DFS. Mm. In terms mm. of upside, Cameron Champ, Tons. I mean, yeah, he's got some serious upside. Carlos Ortiz, probably in big trouble with Ryan Palmer for not, you know, not having the bunker raked on 18. Mm-hmm. But another player that I think, uh, you know, can play well here, uh, showing some really good form, fell apart on Sunday. Harold Varner, always on Varner. Um, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Byung-Hun Ahn's in the cheap end. So I'm, I'm looking to load up Kokrak if you want to put him. I'd put Kokrak in the mid-tier, but that's another player that I'm really yeah. interested in. So it's compelling. There's just so many good golfers this week. There are a lot of guys that really fit this course well. I'll throw another just really low-priced kind of DFS or a top 40-type wager, but Sepp Straka, who played well on Sunday. Yep. He's, he's been all or nothing. He's missed a ton of cuts over the past year, but he's also got three like top six finishes, I believe. He's, you know, when he's on, he's really on. So watch out for that guy at some point. And it looks like he's starting to heat up, tied for 33rd at Harbortown this past week. Well, uh, we will go through our entire uh, DraftKings lineup. We'll go back and forth and, and make one in just a little bit. But coming up now, our special guest. Can't wait for this. Thrilled now to be joined by Travelers Championship, longtime tournament director, a good friend of mine, Nathan Grube. Nathan, it's Travelers Championship week. We made it. Congratulations. <laughs> Probably late March, early April, mid-April. That statement right there, we were going to put it on the shelf. Be like, let's not say that just yet, you know. But, I mean, I was talking to the staff yesterday morning going, we, we're here. Like, this is tournament week and we are here. And this is what we'd hoped would happen. But, man, it was not, uh, it was not guaranteed that we were going to get here. So, I think we're all excited to be here. Well, well, take me before we move forward to this week and how excited you are to have the tournament actually taking place. Take me through sort of the last four months from your perspective, because with so many things shifting on the PGA Tour schedule, I, I, I'm not sure there's another event that stayed exactly where it was. You guys were scheduled for the third week of June, wound up with the whole reshuffle in the third week of June. And really, other than not having spectators and, of course, taking precautions and everything that other tournaments are doing right now really not a whole lot has changed, even though everything has changed. So kind of take us through what the last three to four months have been like from your perspective. How long do we have? Uh, is, this, is this an overnight podcast? As uh, long so as you need. You think about the, the tour schedule and like, I mean, it is built on consistency and habit. I mean, you look at like over the, well, how many, how many decades has the tour been around? And I think there's a, like two tournaments that have ever actually been canceled because of weather or whatever, like over just these years. So you do the math on that, like actually dealing with tournaments being canceled and just not played is like unheard of. And so 
I mean, I would say that we, we really pride ourselves up here on trying to think about everything, like contingency upon contingency or, you know, hospitality, trying to think of different ways to make things cool for people. And, you know, we, we, we really try to think about everything. And we did not have this version of the Travelers Championship, like in a drawer, ready to pull out going, oh, there's something we've thought of on how we're going to do that. Really with the players, obviously, in March, when, when everything just came to a halt so fast, and then, you know, with Valspar and Valero and like, I mean, with everything that happened, it was like, you had to look in the mirror and go, we might not play. And then we started building out, we had about five versions of the Travelers Championship, each of them with a different financial model, different charity model, different sponsor impacts. Like one was a limited build. One was no skyboxes. One was no corporate rotents. You know, one was, okay, if we can't get the steel in for that structure, none of those venues. And then it was, okay, no hospitality altogether and just fans on property, almost like an Augusta type feel. And then it was, oh my gosh, are we actually gonna have no spectators on property? And what that, what would that look like? Can we still do pro-ams? Can we can't? And each version of those had, you had to sit down with your sponsors and talk about each version as you're going along. Hey, here's what it means for you. Here's what we're gonna do with you. Cause I mean, we have 350 partners that are spending a lot of money with you to, to make this happen. And you better keep them educated and informed along the way but yet we just kept going back on, hey, remember everything we told you last week? All right, so new plan. Let's talk about this version. And then you go through and, okay, new plan. So, I mean, fast forward all the way to where we are now. And, I mean, everybody was on board the whole time. Um, sponsors have hung with us, actually still giving us money for our charities, even though we have nothing to sell them. You know, I mean, usually it's, hey, 100% of net proceeds go to charity, that means is you buy a skybox, we build the skybox, it costs to build the skybox, there's net proceeds and it goes to charity. When we have nothing to sell, there's no such thing as net proceeds. I mean, it's like we are standing there going, the only way we're going to be able to give money to charity is sponsors say, hey, we believe in what you're doing, here you go. And that's exactly what happened. Sponsors literally turning over their entire sponsorship check to us saying, we don't need anything from this here you go because we support what's going on in this community. And that has happened time and time and time again. And we're going to have a really big donation to charity this year for us based off of our sponsors knowing what the tournament stands for. So that's kind of been this whole journey over the last, you know, 93 days. <laughs> that's amazing. First of all, and that's a credit to the work that you and Andy Bissett and everybody with travelers that does on, uh, on a yearly basis, uh, just being around you guys for so long. I understand kind of the work that you put in. I, I've been asked this question, Nathan, on uh, you know, a, a handful of radio interviews lately. I've been asked this on social media, and I don't really have a good answer. I don't know what the answer to this is. So uh, basically, who gets most hurt by not having fans from a financial standpoint? Does, does it hurt the tour? Does it hurt the tournament itself? It, we haven't seen it dent the purses for the players yet. So uh, who gets hurt by this sort of uh, from a financial standpoint and how much of a hurt is it if the sponsors uh, are still sticking by you? So I guess the, to answer your question in two parts, like who gets hurt emotionally and then who gets hurt, I guess, financially. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there, there is this emotional element of it where like our fans, they don't just enjoy watching the tournament. Like they love this tournament. Like they look forward to it. They plan their summer vacations around it. Like you walk around this tournament during tournament week and Jason, you felt it. It's like you, people have so much pride in what this community does to rally around this event and have the crowds that we have. And so like, it's just not like, like Hey, I'm not going to be able to see game six of the finals or I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't get my tickets to, 
to game seven at Fenway or whatever. Like, that's not what this is. People are like, this is where I met my wife 32 years ago, and I cannot wait to walk down memory lane every year here. Or my kids have been volunteering here for, you know, 15 years. Or I used to scalp tickets when I was nine years old at the front gate. Or whatever it is, people have such, like, memories and passion about this tournament that there is just this uh, – the, this sense of like, no, we can't go. You know, like I've gotten so many emails and so many calls um, about that where people are just like, look, we get it. We totally understand it, but man, we're going to miss it. You know, so like we can't wait to watch it on TV and good luck, but like you just feel this, you know, the, this this uh, absence. And so there's like that piece of it. And then there's the piece of the financial piece. And I mean, if we didn't have, like I mentioned earlier, if we didn't have our sponsors stepping up, travelers stepping up, the tournament wouldn't work financially. Like it just wouldn't, you know what I mean? Cause right. you, right. Revenue. but if you didn't have, if we didn't have our sponsors saying you're giving us nothing, but we're still giving you everything. Here you go. Which sounds like insane, right? Like, I mean, but they know what we're about. They know that this tournament's about the community. And so we basically presented these financial models to our board. We talked to our sponsors about them like, Hey, we want to support. And basically in no, I mean, basically saying, okay, we're going to subsidize ticket revenue. Here you go. We're going to subsidize X. Here you go. And if you didn't have sponsor do that, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And you have obviously tournaments that looked at it saying that can't happen for us. Like we can't make that work. Um, our community said, we want to figure out how to make this work. Travelers said, we are going to do everything we can to make this tournament happen. And, and here we are. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I mean, if you didn't have your sponsors, saying taking that hit let's say mm-hmm. saying, look we're going to make these donations regardless of getting these assets um it wouldn't have worked speaking of financials another question that i hear from people a lot is how are they getting these guys they must be doing something nathan's got like you know this unlimited checkbook and he's just <laughs> handing money under the table to you know yeah. these top 10 players in the world they, they must be paying them they can't take appearance fees but uh, they've got to be paying that. How, how do you get Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Brooks Kepka to come up to Cromwell, Connecticut at the beginning of the summer? How do you do? And, and I know the answer to that, but why don't you tell those who uh, still um, don't necessarily believe, why, why don't you kind of set them straight here? So he, here's, here's how that happens. You, you have a title who is committed to figuring out what your event needs to look like for the players to want to come here. And you have a title who's willing to come out with you on the road and talk to players, talk to caddies, talk to wives, talk to trainers, talk to the sports psychologist, talk to the whole team. And Andy Bissett with Travelers made a commitment back in 07 to come out with me, get to know the players, get to know what makes them tick, get to know how we can make our tournament different. And I will never forget him talking to Bubba Watson in like, it was probably 07, late 07. And we talked and, and, and Andy said to Bubba, he goes, Bubba, I would love for you to tell us how we can make our tournament better. And Bubba stopped and he went, you're not asking me to come play. He goes, that's what everybody does. They walk up down the range say, Hey, Bubba, we'd love to have you come play. He goes, you're not asking me to come play. He goes, no, I want you to tell me how to make our tournament better. And he went, huh? Okay. And he, it, it just caught him off guard. And yeah. that has been our mentality going, what do we need to do to get better? So here's, here's what's happened. We ask the question of the players and you better be ready to listen and actually do something about it. If you're willing to ask the question, our practice facility was horrible. One of the worst on tour. They jokingly said when the practice facility was built, 
John Daly was the only guy that could hit it out of the range, right? By the time our practice facility had outgrown it, Corey Pavin was the only guy who couldn't hit it out of our range, right? We're dealing with this thing that had no practice facility. So we work with the tour. We look with the community. We work with a big partner with some land. We built a brand new, huge practice facility here um, was as the big thing. Yeah. The golf course needed a little bit of, I would say, freshening up. The bunker system wasn't the best. I mean, the golf course itself was good, but there was just, it was getting tired. We, we partnered with the tour to, to make some investments in the golf course. The clubhouse was, let's just say, not okay. All right? It was a, <laughs> a historical landmark. Like, that's the nicest thing you put on a clubhouse that could fit, like, nine people during a rain delay. But, I mean, so, I mean, it needed to be addressed. So we tore down the clubhouse, built it up. We try really, really hard to make them feel like it's their event, not our event, and do all, all the little things. You have your guests coming in this week, and it's obviously this new world that we're living in. And you know, Nick Watney tested positive last week. What are some of the things that you're thinking about? What, what's different this week? I say our mentality always has been, how do we go above and beyond? How do we go crazy with hospitality? But this time we said, okay, how do we go above and beyond and go crazy with safety? You know, how we left the courtesy cars at all the different airports, staging them there four days in advance so that they can be sterilized and there can be, you know, nobody's touched them for four days and putting all the the, bat, the keys in Ziploc bags. And when the players sign, they keep the pen that they sign with so that there's no interaction of stuff and how all of our staff has bought into, you know, the gear and the PPE gear and everything. And I mean, we are, we are wearing this stuff everywhere and it's 92 degrees out here we took a, a hard look at the whole the whole group too right i mean there's there's different groups of people around you have players you have caddies you know and we're testing and you have, and then you have media and we made a decision back in april we said you know what if we're going to do this in june we want to test everybody and what would that mean what would that look like how do we test all of our volunteers how do we test all of our vendors the equipment reps the trainers like like everybody we want everybody on property to feel like they're in the safest environment possible so we started down this road of trying to figure that out and logistically it was i mean it was a challenge to try to figure out people's schedules and things like that but here we are on monday and we've tested you know on our side you know we have a little more testing to do tomorrow almost every person on property and um that was a step that was important to us to take to uh, to really make sure everybody felt like you know what we're gonna do this responsibly and so that was that was one of the big steps we took that's great to hear and it's so important and uh you know as an avid fan of the tour just hoping that you know people continue to stay safe we had a little scare last week and you know the players you know obviously it's imperative that it keeps continues to happen uh speaking of the golf the the first two weeks you know we have these courses that historically have played a little tougher but we've had these benign conditions and we've yeah. seen incredible scoring. Weather looks like it's going to be pretty decent again, maybe a little bit more wind, not quite as hot, maybe some thunderstorms on Sunday, hopefully not. But what are your expectations for the play, and how are you thinking about the, the course and, and kind of what you want to see happen uh, at the Travelers this year? So I, I think it is such a good track because I think it's very fair, and the players like it because it will punish you for a bad shot, but it will reward you for a good shot. And I think the weather, like right now, I mean, it's hot right now, right? Like mid to high 80s. There hasn't been a ton of rain. So they're having to water the greens. And there's a chance if that continues, you might see like 
17, 18 under potentially when if, if they have to spray the greens. But I tell you what, when this dries out and this course plays fast and firm, I mean, it's not a long course, but you see 12, 13, 14 under win this tournament. And people think, oh, it should be more than that. It's like, no, no, no. It will absolutely defend itself um, in the perfect condition. So it'll be very interesting to see if they, if they have to water the greens a little bit too much because of the heat. Like I said, you might get past 14, 15, 16 to where you know they'll be able to fire right at the pins. But uh, if it stays right in that nice balance and the greens are 12, rolling 12, 13 or so, I mean, I could see we usually have that 13, 14 under as kind of that winning window. Nathan, I've teased you for years, you and Andy, because uh, usually every year at some point, it might just be Friday morning, it might be during the weekend, but at some point it rains and any other tournament, it's like, oh man, it's raining. For you guys, when your logo is literally a red umbrella, hey, it's raining, we gave umbrellas to everybody in the crowd and it's just like, you know, more marketing for us <laughs> around the gallery. So, you know, you guys kind of look sure. out there as well. Another thing that you, you and I have talked about, I, I, I don't know if you remember this, I remember telling you this probably 10, 12 years ago, but I always had this idea of everybody walks through the front gate and they get like a Cracker Jack prize. They basically rip open something and they get the name of a player in the field. Yeah. And if that player has the low score of the day, they win something. It might be a traveler's umbrella, whatever it is. But instead of, hey, I want to just go watch Rory. I want to watch Spieth. I want to watch Kepka. It's, hey, yeah. I ripped this open. I got Zach Blair and he's three under the turn. Let me go watch Zach Blair. And you become personally invested and engaged. Yeah. Well, now uh, we're into sports gaming. We're into betting and DFS and fantasy. And everyone's got some sort of uh, piece of the action, some personal investment. Have you seen any kind of changes in the way people look at your tournament, how that affects how you run the tournament. Is there anything different yet? Um, and can you foresee anything different on the horizon in the future? I would have said I anticipated that we would have seen a lot more this year in 2020. I mean, just people talking about it, more of an engagement from a, oh my gosh, to your point, I'm going to follow this guy and I'm going to learn about this guy because I might be able to, to, you know, do, to, to do something fun there or how's he going to play? So you can kind of see the fan engagement piece coming in this space, but literally this year it's like, okay, screeching halt, you know, for us anyway. I mean, I'm sure it's going to, you know, it's going to produce um, great golf and there's going to be some great stuff to, uh, to engage in. But for us, I think that'll be more in 21, to be honest, because it was just starting to roll into that. And like, how, what are we going to do on site and who are these new partners we can engage and what new ideas can we have? So you can feel it. But and then I, I would have said we probably are going to feel a lot more in 20, but I think it's going to be more in 21 with the fans and, and what's happening on site, too. Did you catch Bubba on Sunday? Some of the audio that he had, uh, I thought it was incredible. And, and, you know, Ricky getting mic'd up like I would love to see more of that stuff. Uh, so what do you expect this week? So it's funny. I was literally just talking to Bubba this morning about that. He, he had a blast, you know, I mean, like it's, he, he had some ideas on some things. I mean, my opinion is I think you're going to see more and more of that in, in golf the athletes being able to express themselves. I think it might be slow to get to that point, but I think you're going to see more of that. But as far as the broadcast, I mean, we've talked to CBS golf channel, to your point, you see gold, like what, what's happening. And I think they're, they're learning right with each week going, okay, there's this audience, there's this fan base, like we can engage them. We can stretch out this engagement. They have some good ideas. I don't know. I think it has, it has a room to evolve too. Right. I mean, I think combining, 
you know, people having a vested interest in what's happening financially. And then I think building that into the broadcast, I think the future is bright for the golf broadcast and getting the players involved and talk about stuff. So I think, uh, I think there could be an evolution with the game coming. Yep. One thing I really want to see on Friday, the biggest sweat of the whole event is the guys making the cut. So if we can ever see like, who's made, like, Billy Horschel missed the cut by one stroke this week. I was really hoping he'd make it on 18. Like seeing those putts and those moments for the guys in the cut line is very yeah. compelling content. That's like the old Q school stuff. Like you're watching these guys like grind it out to get their card. Like, you know, are they going to make it? Are they going to make it? I, I totally agree with you. I think that's uh, guys who know they're on the line and um, it's a very different feel for sure. Travelers championship week, Thursday and Friday coverage on Golf Channel, of course, and Peter mentioned NBC Gold online streaming. And during the weekend on CBS, nine of the top 10 in the world ranking, 15 of the top 20. A lot of that is due in part to Nathan Groob, tournament director, and his team with the Travelers Championship. Thank you so much, Nathan. And again, congratulations on getting here. I know it wasn't an easy journey. No, I appreciate that. Thanks for the time. Thanks for all the support. And uh, it's going to be a good week. Uh, Peter, I, I can tell you that uh, on a personal note, and you can probably tell there in the interview, but uh, I've gotten to know Nathan pretty well, and it's exactly what they say. I, I can remember a year when uh, my daughter was about two years old and we were still living in Connecticut. I brought her to the golf tournament, and we were out on the course, and it started raining. Well, they knew. They'd seen me out with my daughter, and they knew we were out there, and pretty soon a volunteer with a big umbrella and a couple of jackets comes out, including this little baby jacket, little toddler jacket for my daughter and says, here, you guys need this. Hop on a cart. We'll keep you dry. I mean, they just, they take care of people. They understand it. It's not to say that no other tournament does. They, they all do a great job, but man, the travelers championship has been near and dear to my heart for a long time. So I, I'm happy to see that even though they don't have uh, fans there this week, that uh, they are having a, um, what should be a really, really good tournament this week. Total pro. I'm sure he's uh, anxious, like you mentioned, just to get things going. And it's amazing that we're here. We didn't put him on the spot and ask him for his pick. Uh, I told yeah. him I was. I don't know how he would have danced out of that one. He, he might have. If, if we pressed him, if we said, you have to answer this question, my guess is he might go Bubba. Bubba, a three-time champion there. I'm not going Bubba. I, I might fade Bubba just a little bit because I think people are going to be on him a little too much this week. But uh, you ready for this uh, DraftKings lineup that we always do? Yeah, and I think last week went pretty well. Uh, not great, but not bad. Yeah, um, better than the first week. Uh, we keep getting better by the Tour Championship. We're going to be knocking this thing down. So well, let's 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 um, try to let's try to have a great week this week. I, I got I'm some take a little strategy here. I I think you had the first pick. I think I gave you the first pick last week. I'm going to take the first pick, which might block your pick. That's fine. And, Let's let's see what happens because I, I told you I know you like Rom. Uh, Bryson's at the top of my list. Bryson is eight hundred dollars more than Rom. Eleven thousand this week on DraftKings. I just I I just think Bryson's right now. He's not missing. It doesn't mean he's not missing a shot. He's just not missing an event. He's five straight, eighth or better. Uh, he's playing well on courses that don't suit his game. This one does suit his game. Uh, top ten here the last two years. I. I just don't see a scenario in which Bryson DeChambeau doesn't play well this week and isn't somewhere in the mix come Sunday. All right. I, I like that pick a lot. I know it's a par 70, uh, but a lot of long par fours, which I think is important. So I'm going to, I kind of like this uh, angle of taking some bombers. So I'll, uh, I'll continue the bomber stretch here and I'll go with Kokrak down at 7,400. I think he's just playing great golf. Um, I love the weight loss. Uh, I know we missed the cut last week with a bad round, too. 
but I am going to continue to buy Jason Kokrak. Uh, and I think you'll get him a little lower owned just because there's a lot of compelling guys in the mid tier. Uh, and he's kind of at the bottom of that tier. So let's, let's stick with some guys who committed a long way. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Kokrak is a guy much like Abraham answer, much like Joel Damon, who's kind of knocking on the door for that first tour win. And I don't think any of us would be surprised if it happens anytime soon. Now, Speaking of answer, and we kind of alluded to it uh, the first segment on the pod, but I, I just at 9,000 on DraftKings this week, coming off a week when he just had a tremendous – I mean, I, Justin Ray of the 15th Club posted some stats on Twitter on Sunday night, and basically it was like one of the best ball-striking displays by a guy who led or shared the lead going into the final round who, and maybe the best in the last 30 years who didn't win the golf tournament despite that ball-striking. So – I have a feeling I don't even know 40%, 50%, 60% own this week. Do you like answer enough to go with the crowd and hope that you are differentiating enough elsewhere? Or do you want to fade answer and just hope that everyone else misses on? Yeah. In tournaments, I think it's pretty easy. You fade them and just hope that it's, it's wrong, especially when you can get more Akawa or, you know, Bubba Watson might leave his ownership. And at 9,000, he might not be that chalky. I do expect him to be chalky. But the way the, probably the best way to do it is if you think he's high equity, you play him in cash games and some other formats, hope that other people don't take him in that format. And then, you know, contests like the Millionaire Maker, you completely fade him. And maybe if you're playing a, a high-stakes one tournament or something like that, you put him on there. So okay. if, you know, if you know a guy's going to be 50% owned, you almost always want to fade him in tournaments. I mean, okay. I mean, like even I, Webb Simpson, I, I think, was a bad pick, knowing he's even not just because of the result. I mean, the result's great, but 49% owned. I was immediately saying, okay, that's a bad pick that I made. And it worked out, but you, at that ownership, you're just getting so much equity if they, they miss the cut or don't, don't finish high. Now, since we're talking strategy, I want to talk in general, but I'll use some examples here. If I like answer this week, but I know that I'm going to have a couple guys in my lineup. We talked about Jamie Lovemark earlier. I bet Jamie Lovemark coming off a miscut a couple of weeks ago on the Corn Ferry. Yeah, hasn't played a super event in a while. 1%. 2% owned. Can, can I get away with having answer at 45% if I have Lovemark at 1% balancing that out in a Millie Maker? Absolutely. I, I think the critical thing in the the millionaire maker, you know, being unique is important, but you can really have a differentiated lineup with just a couple guys who are low owned. And if you have a lineup that's unique, that's really the most critical thing. So if you go answer, you get someone like Lovemark, and then you add another guy who you think is pretty likely to be contrarian, you're in a fine place from an ownership perspective. Okay. Okay. For for our all intents and purposes here, uh, let's uh, consider this a GPP, uh, a tournament play where uh, we're going to fade answer. And I'll, I'll go instead down the list to 7,900 and Joaquin Neiman, who, uh, again, uh, is in form, played really well on Sunday, and has a nice little course history, played well here the, uh, last year as well. Perfect. Let's go with another young gun right in that same range, and we'll, we'll have kind of the mid-tier left. We didn't talk about Victor Hovland at all on this. Uh, uh, and my goodness, he is hitting the ball good. He has some Love similar it. issues. Uh, chipping is more of his bugaboo and sometimes doesn't make putts. But in terms of ball striking and, and driving the golf ball well, Victor Hovland, which, I, again, I, I talk about it a lot, but especially at this course, driving the golf ball well is really important. So I, I like Victor yeah. Hovland a lot. I, I am so in on that pick with you. I didn't mention his name at any other point in the pod, but uh, I have him written up in my preview this week. Really like the way Victor Hovland plays. The best thing about taking Victor Hovland is like, especially in DFS, if he's 23rd place going into the weekend, 
he plays better on the weekend than he does in the first two rounds. And especially on Sundays, he tends to go really low. So you, you know you've got a shot if you've got Victor Hovland sitting there in your lineup. So uh, we've got two spots left, 15,900. you got to go with your boy here. He, the guy that you talked to me about, you texted me, he had a great Sunday round. He's cheap. I think that's a good pick. Which one was that? that Fratelli. I'll pick Fratelli. him for you. And then I'll, I'll leave you the money. 8,800. Oh, okay. All right. I'm thinking for telling. You like that? Okay. Yes, I do like that. I, we might leave a lot on the board here. Fading uh, Bubba. Fade Bubba. Fade Bubba. I, I really like Patrick Reed this week. Yeah, I was going to go fine. lower. I was going to leave a lot of money on the table. I could go to Finau, who I really like. I, I love Joel Damon this week. Yep. You know Brandon Steele. Brandon Steele's going to listen to this pod, friend of the pod. He's going to so listen to this So should we put Steele over for Telly? Connecticut, and he's going to go, I can't believe you didn't take me in this pod. And – you know okay. what? I, I'm just not going to take it. I'm going to fade Steele just for the pod purposes because I want to hear back from him and, and see if he's actually listening right now. So okay. fade Steele just for the purposes of this. Uh, Damon, I can't believe we didn't work into this lineup. I did a video today for all PGA Tour platforms when we've got a, our deal with Golf Bet and the Action Network with the PGA Tour, and I, I do a little thing with them. I wore a Bryson hat. I wore a Joel Damon hat in this video so you can guess where my allegiances are this week but i'm gonna jump up to patrick reed at 8700 and leave 100 on the table that's a a lineup of bryson dechambeau dylan fratelli victor hovland jason kokrak joaquin neiman and patrick reed how do you like that peter oh it looks so good i mean i feel like that's going to be the whole week making lineups just oh there's the millionaire maker winner right there you build a team and you're just like oh that how does that not win you know, only one person's going to win, but it's it's a lot of fun building DraftKings teams this week. You you and I texted about that last week after we'd done the pod. I think it was on Wednesday, and I said, hey, I go, Pete, I, I got bad news because I've got some lineups I just made that are like, they're going to win. I mean, this is going to win a million dollars for me. I, I guarantee it. And could I have been more off on Hideki Matsuyama last week? I, I apologize to everybody. I I owe all you guys like – you know, I owe you all a dollar towards uh, towards your DraftKings lineups because I, I I touted Hideki last week as hey great ball striker and this should be a great course for him. Man, was that a bad pick? It's golf. Man, man. Was that terrible? I faded Hideki and Tyrell Hatton for the not. We haven't seen him since the layoff, uh, and one of those picks was worked out really well because Matsuyama was chalk, but Hatton coming out and just lighting it up was very very bad news for me. So. I lost quite a bit of money last week, so on to the travelers. Let's say for however many lineups you're putting in, if you're putting in X number of lineups, are you culling your guys from, hey, there's four in the top tier and four in the mid tier and six in the lower tier of guys that I like, and so I'm just going to kind of mix and match amongst that group, or do you want sort of more of a wide look at more guys just to give yourself more of a chance with different players. How, how, how do you play that when you, you're putting in a lot of lineups? Most weeks I play a more narrow range of, of guys. Um, and it depends. Sometimes I'll be really heavy on like three or four guys and then I'll be sprinkling in a bunch of cheap guys or whatever. But in general, I think the better strategy is to have a little more narrow player pool. Uh, the first week we had that incentive with like the low round. So the millionaire maker, I threw yeah. in a couple extra guys and you never know, but I think it is dynamic to the week where sometimes, you know, I love these studs and I love a certain type of roster build and it's going to leave me with a scrub in all these lineups. So instead of just going all in on like one, you know, really cheap guy, you kind of diversify there. Um, but this week is tricky because there's so many compelling guys at the top 
So I might diversify a little bit more than normal at the top. Um, but yeah, great question. I think it's dynamic to the week. Uh, the worst thing that you can do though, for sure, is try to cover all the combinations. You can't do that. So you got to make stands yeah. somewhere. Uh, I never want to go into a week where I just am, you know, just scattering everything. You want to have some positions regardless. So uh, it's dynamic to the week, but hopefully that, that helped with your, your question. Yeah, no, and that's what I usually do. It's usually a narrow range, except Hideki on a lot of lineups last week absolutely killed me. Webb Simpson the week before absolutely killed me. Well, Billy Horschel. Who knows? I mean, this week. Uh, I was yeah, all Horschel. in Horschel. Yeah, I mean, it's just – and you've got to kind of nail it, especially in those those big ones. If you're getting five out of six and those five are, are all playing well and that one other guy is, you know, slamming the trunk Friday afternoon – and taking the weekend off, it, it's just not going to go um, as far as you need that lineup to go. So, anyway, um, great talking Travelers Championship stuff with you. Great talking strategy with you, Peter. Good luck this week. And uh, special thanks to Nathan Groove, who is tremendous. And good luck uh, and congratulations again to all of the good people in the 860, my old hometown, uh, right there in central Connecticut. Love those guys. Hope they have a great week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Here's hoping you hit the green. We're finished talking.